0: Greetings, parish and retrogrades. Welcome to part two of the 101 Outrages of Pope Francis. I opened up the show yesterday by telling you, look, I'm not sure what's going on, my friends. You shouldn't claim to know what's going on, either. It's unknowable at this point. What is knowable and what is reviewable in, in at least two senses of the term, is the idea that Pope Francis has done a lot of stuff that even folks who have made a cottage industry out of reporting forget about, tend to forget about, because of human error. It's impossible to remember all of these line items, of all of these outrageous, I counted 101 of them, thanks to LifeSite, uh, we're, we're, we're citing from a bunch of different LifeSite articles in yesterday's show and today. Yesterday, I got one through 50. Today, I'm going to get 51 through 101. And even this list is not comprehensive. I was thinking throughout the course of the day yesterday about other stuff that Francis has done that I don't think made the list. So there there is no comprehensive list that expresses in its plenary fullness how bad francis is how unprecedented francis is and how mysterious the meaning of this pontificate is now when people start jumping to conclusions and trying to connect the dots in real time i say this is a no-no not be you know everyone knows here that i look i have no i have no tribe but folks who want the truth Mostly a trad. Definitely don't always stick to the, the, uh, the trad pseudo dogmas, right? I, I'm a free thinker. I'll go where the truth leads me. Sometimes we'll defend things like the luminous mysteries. Ah, oh, a shock, you know, things like that. And I, I'm again. I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I make mistakes too. Um, no one is a perfect seeker after the truth. But what I'm saying is that. No one trad or semi-trad or whatever, conservative Catholic, ought to be making claim to being able to connect the dots in real time. There's a great expression, you can only connect the dots after. This is true in life as a generality. It's especially true with regard to the meaning of councils, ecumenical councils in the church, and pontificates. It's so true that for those out there who, like, like I have some friends in this camp, Pat Coffin is one of them, Ed Mazza is another, I'd say they think they're pretty sure this is an antipope. I say, but that never happens until after. Now, you can't be sure it's not, but one is supposed to, with, you know, uh, submissive heart and submissive mind, go with what the Church is currently saying, at least by majority, in real time. You can only connect the dots of a pontificate or an ecumenical council after. And even then, with the Avignon papacy, it took, you know, 70 to 80 years to sort it out. Is this an anti-pope? Is that an anti-pope? Is this the real pope? There were three guys contending for the pope. Now, this situation that we've been talking about over the last two weeks is weird. It's unique. Francis isn't like any pope we've ever had. He's not like any anti-pope we've ever had. Why? Because no one is there's no pretender to the throne besides besides who the anti uh, the the Benny Planis alleged to be Francis himself. There's no competing, countervailing claimant to Francis's seat. That's unlike all 29 anti popes we've ever had. So yeah, I, I tell it both ways, and that's why I say I'm not just staying in the middle. I I I for right now I'm I'm staying pat on Francis is the Pope. He's a bad Pope, but I have to start defending against the countervailing assumptions and assertions that I hear in my head coming from the Pope's planning side, the other side, the opposite side. He's not just a bad pope. It took, you know, our good friends, I think the the, the good men, but cautious men at Catholic answers, seven or eight years to even admit he may not be a good pope. But he's unlike, he's sui generis, one of a kind, even those bad popes in our history. And I talked about that yesterday. So what I'm saying is, I think he's truly novel. I think he's truly, as he claims to be, a kind of anti, uh, sorry, anti A-N-T-E pope, a real pope who comes before some sort of great change in the church and he's heralding it proudly. I'm not heralding it. I am saying he's a harbinger of something frightening to come. I think Francis is a very big deal. Ever since I, I started making my own videos on this channel and left TNT, I've tried to give a, a positive emphasis without lying or becoming uh, sickly sweet, without becoming, you know, a soft sugar sweetener, um, saccharin. I've been trying to give you positive things you can really do. You can move your family. Go to realestateforlife.org and move your family from a blue state to a red state. That's something you can do, Americans. It's part of the American spirit to move to a better mini republic, a better state where you can actually be effective. So go to realestateforlife.org and do like I do. I I, do like I did. I moved from California to Mississippi. My family's much safer, healthier, happier, happier, in place here, more secure. Realestateforlife.org. That's something you can do. Educate yourself without necessarily going to college. Educate yourself online with Zoom and Skype and all of the modalities that we have now. Educate yourself. Go to TimothyJayGordon.com and you can do that. See, I'm fitting in all the plugs. Enroll for live or pre recorded classes. Educate yourself. Homeschool your kids and educate yourself as you're homeschooling your kids. It's not the Benedict Option, because the Benedict Option doesn't acknowledge that there's a fight coming, not a figure to fight, probably a a real fight. I know this terrifies soft men in 21st century America, but as I go through 1776, there's some sort of fight probably around the corner not far. So not Benedict Option, but some of the Benedict Option Unplug from the system. Get your kids out of public school. Get your kids even out of the so-called Catholic schools. Homeschool and educate yourself with all the wonderful resources online. If you don't go to the Retrograde Academy on timothyjgordon.com, which you should, there are a million other good Catholic online academies like St. Augustine's Institute, etc. Do that. That's what you can do. And you can speculate a little bit privately. It makes for good dinner time conversation. What is the meaning of our times? Our Lord talked about the inability uh, to read the signs of the times as uh, a debility that is not natural. In other words, it is natural for a good man, a smart man, a good woman, a smart woman, to be able to read the signs of the times. That doesn't mean you can connect the dots in real time. That would contradict everything I'm saying yesterday, today, the last two weeks. You can't read it perfectly Clearly, it's not perfectly scrutable, the signs of the times. But you ought to have some inclination, and you ought to, you know, be able to, through dialogue with your friends, your family, figure out a little bit what's going on. And this is as much as I figured out. Francis is unlike any other pope we've ever had. He, he's worse, says I. He's unlike all the anti-popes in the history of the church. This is what I was telling Pat and Ed. He's not, if you're being objective, he's not like the anti-popes. I think he's worse. I think he's a pope and he's worse. And items number 51 through 101 today get to some of the increased aggression evident over the last four and a half years. Because we covered the first four and a half years yesterday, 2013 through 2017 today we're covering 2017 to the present and you'll see that there's a pattern here he's getting more unabashed as we go from 14 to 16 to 18 to 2020 now we're 2022 that you definitely see it intelligibly it's a pattern of burgeoning as we move forward and i'm about to jump back into this today but i wasn't able to Extemporized much yesterday, and I, I missed being able to do that. The main question that kept popping up in the comments was this: "Well, why remain Catholic?" When I hear people ask this, I scratch my head. Okay, that's an odd question, uh, and then I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to make you feel bad if you're one of the ones that asked it, but this this isn't a choice for me in the Thomistic sense that the Socratic sense really that when something when a proposition is true what is truth? Well according to Socrates and Plato it's justified true belief. That's what knowledge is. I, I came 11 or 12 years ago back into the faith tw- actually 12 or 13 years ago back into the faith fully not because I wanted religion for me or my kids and I, not because I was sick of toiling like a dilettante on the edges, the periphery of Catholicism and being a cafeteria Catholic, as I'd been raised by the Catholic schools to be. No, no fault to really my parents or no, no serious fault to my parents, but the times of the 80s and the 90s, that's what they were. They were, they were uh, dilettante factories, half-assed Catholic factories, lukewarm Catholic production centers. When I came back into the faith, I didn't do so because I got tired of that. I did so because I learned some things that made it undeniable that Roman Catholicism is the one true faith. So that's your answer. Why remain Catholic? I don't know. It's like if I told you in a math class, oh man, uh, this great mathematician, Descartes, was a bit of a scumbag. He was. He's one of the Enlightenment forefathers that got university education off the track, that got uh, Aristotelianism off the track. Old Rene Descartes was. He's the godfather of algebra. So I wouldn't tell you, I wouldn't begin to question that two and two are four because Rene Descartes did something sleazy. Like he trashed two of Aristotle's four modes of causation which messed the world up in a major way i wouldn't it doesn't mean 2 and 2 ain't 4 so when you guys are like well why continue to be catholic i'm like we well, continue to be catholic because i'll, I'll use the the um, metaphysics epistemology intellectus adequates ratio right all your brain does is it captures what truth is because man was wired to be the rational animal and to, process it, intelligize it if there's such a verb, to make meaning of it or to recognize the meaning inherent in propositions and then to be able to to use rational speech to dialogue about it and unpack it further, right? So that's why I'm Catholic cuz it's true. I'm sorry if that answer seems paraphrastic to you. It's redundant, it's not. It's just it's the one truly true proposition. Is the truest expression of Christianity, Roman Catholicism. Why in the world would you leave or consider leaving? Because Francis is probably worse than any Pope or anti Pope. And Francis is an anti, A N T E, not anti, an anti Pope, which is what they called St. Gallen Mafia member uh, uh, Martini. They called him the Ante, Ante Pope because he was supposed to be the forerunner to great change. Instead, Francis took his place because he got Parkinson's, much like his hated rival, uh, Vojtelaar, JP2. And so Francis was inducted by the St. Gallen Mafia to take the place of the Ante, A-N-T-E Pope. But a real pope is the Ante Pope, the forerunner, the bringer himself, of great change. He's a real Pope. But it's scary times. If you can't read the sign of the times, my friends, then you scratch your head more than you're supposed to at these strange instances of outrage presented by Pope Francis the I. The humble, they used to call him. I'm not saying I know exactly what this means, but I'm saying I know... It means something new, and scary. That's why throughout, so we're gonna get back to instance number fifty-one through hundred and one. And and guess what? <laughs> he makes more and more reference, beginning in twenty seventeen, to the God of Surprises. And I'll tell you this: last week, quietly beneath the scenes, just as Cardinal Casper was persistent even as he kept getting L's, losses, at the hands of JP2 and Benedict throughout the course of 30 years. He kept going. He stayed the course. He never gave up on getting communion. He's evil, but you can admire his persistence. Getting communion to the divorced and civilly remarried. Well, similarly, Francis and his cronies, the same guys, Casper's one of them, are being persistent about the St. Gallen Mafia Agenda's next two items, viri probati, married priests, and women ordained, women deacons. And it was supposed to happen to the Amazon Synod. It didn't for some reasons that I think I can explain, and it keeps coming up. It's being addressed at next year's synod. It's one of the line items, and... Excuse me. And it was brought up at a mini meeting last week. Raymond Arroyo covered it on last Thursday's World Over. I'm appreciative to Raymond for that. Okay. So he's the ante pope, but a real pope, I believe he is. You're going to see the God of surprises come up more and more and more. And what he's doing is he's, he's, he's paving the road to say, hey, look, stuff's going to change really weirdly, but I told you, if you believe me before, there's, that the God is our God is a God of surprises. It just means, it's like if you're telling your kids, hey, stuff's going to get really weird, but that's normal, don't worry. It, I, I don't know, a man who's about to divorce his wife, he's like, whatever happens in the next month, don't worry, it might really hurt. But if he's lying the way Francis is a liar, he might try to pave the way and say, it's it's normal pain, it's healthy pain. You know, like divorced parents will tell their kids, oh, this is the best. We can be a better mommy and daddy for you. It might feel like it hurts, but it's actually better. This is healthy pain. That's what Francis is doing, greasing the skids by saying, um, God of surprises. All right, item number 51. In 2017, after uh, 500 years, of the Reformation in the 500th anniversary celebration, no doubt. It was actually a celebration. The Vatican issues a stamp in October featuring, I think before October, featuring Luther, put put out a document saying Catholics now recognize Luther as a great witness to the gospel. Sorry, a witness to the gospel. On another occasion, he said it is a, quote, very grave sin to try to convert the Orthodox to Catholicism, uh, in reference to converting Orthodox or Protestant Christians. It's a sin to bring the gospel in its fullness to them. He said, there is a very grave sin against ecumenism, proselytism. Well, ecumenism is not some good that can be sinned against. Only a good can be sinned against, a good or, or a source of good, God. Proselytism, yeah, it might be a sin against ecumenism, the same way uh, I don't know the good quote unquote sin against the wicked. Evangelizing is good. Ecumenism, I would say, is bad. So this is this is item number fifty-one, and Pope Francis was outright saying it's evil to evangelize our Christian brethren. This is this is outrageous. If you can't. If you can't see that, thank you, if you can't see that there's something more wrong with Pope Francis than merely being among a number of less good popes, then I would say, but without trying to be funny or any of that, go get your head checked. I'd say literally re-look at the facts. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. Open your heart to the truth that things are, are more messed up now in the church than they've ever been, than they've ever been. Throughout all of these years, the Pope's planers have equivocated between saying nothing's wrong. Then on the other hand, they'll, they'll flop to the other end. and Instead of admitting something's wrong, they'll imply it by saying, look at the Aryan crisis. This is nowhere near as bad as the Arian crisis. Here's my strong reply, and you've heard me say it before to these uh, Pope-splainers. The Arian crisis, representing the first council, Nicaea, and really the next three or four councils, um, Constantinople, Chalcedon, Ephesus, is this. There was a sincere effort. I'm not saying heretics are, are sincere because they're warned. A persistent heretic like Arius was warned against saying what he said. He didn't understand the Trinity. It's a truly difficult doctrine, one of the most difficult in Christianity. But sincerely, he didn't understand it. He should have sincerely just said, okay, I'll go along with the teaching, teaching of Holy Mother Church. But he was making a sincere er- uh, error, at least at first. Oh, I get it. Well, Christ says two natures, okay. But he's got it. one's got to win out. He's got to be more God than man. And he persisted in that error, and it became a heresy. But look what happened next. Then they went too far, the monophysites, to the other side. Okay, we're, we're, we, we want to be obedient. We want to not make the Arian heresy. We don't want to commit that fallacy of Christian reasoning. So we're going to say the other way. They're, they're sincerely trying. Okay, so God's got two natures. Christ has two natures. And um, and the the godlike one wins out. He's more God than man, at least that doesn't divest Christ of his godhood. And then they go to, and then that, no, that turns out to be a heresy, right? That's seven, 25, 50 years later. Then 25, 50 years after that, they're like, okay, Nestorianism, Apollinarianism, they're like, okay, he's he's fully God, he's fully man, but his natures have to be split. There has to be a dichotomy. No, that's a heresy. Okay, they're, so they're learning, they're adapting. There's organic growth there. It's the beginning of Christianity. The first century of Christianity after It becomes legal and above board. It's no longer subterranean. The first 300 years don't count. Christians were living, worshiping, teaching one another quietly in the catacombs. They couldn't correspond with one another across the Mediterranean. The first truly Christian century is after Constantine legalized Christianity, right? With the edict. So so then they move to Nestorianism, Apollinarianism. Okay, Christ has one nature, it's not split, but his mind is distinct from, his, his human mind is distinct from his godly mind. No, okay, that is different. Fundamentally, at the beginning of organized Christianity, the first fully organized century of Christian thinking, the fourth century... Having all these councils with people who are sincerely misled, the heretics should have had intellectual epistemic humility and not insisted on what they're teaching. But this is different from once Christianity over the course of the next millennium gets fully organized, fully uh, uh, systematized, and has a rigorous system of philosophy greasing the skids between millenniums, between the first and the second millennium, represented by the scholastics, king of witches, Thomas Aquinas. Everything is now laid out perfectly after the 11 and 1200s. Then it becomes a grave sin, not of misunderstanding or accidental confusion, but of obfuscation and devilish, deuced disorganization, making a mess that started with this wicked heretic, Martin Luther, 500 years ago got worse in the secular version of the Protestant Reformation, which was the Enlightenment, and then got way worse in what we call the postmodern era. Lots of confusion at our last ecumenical council. That's a complex story. I'm writing the book on that now. But Francis, Pope Francis comes along and says, I'm going to make a mess. Things are already a mess in the church. I'm going to do the kill shot. That's unprecedented. This guy is clearly, clearly aiming to kill what's left of Christian doctrine after it's been messed up for about 500 years. That's different. That's way worse. That's way more sinister by anyone's measure than the Aryan crisis, which was at the beginning before things were organized. It was guys sincerely struggling to organize. Francis is a guy sincerely struggling to disorganize what is already organized. Line item 52. Pope Francis... This is an outrage of omission, has systematically refused to deny that Amoris Laetitia teaches heresies when requested to do so in the dubia presented to him by Cardinals Brandmuller, Burke, Kafara, and Miser in uh, September of that year. The latter two of these cardinals, uh, rest their souls, Kafara and Meisner have since died. They died waiting, during a waiting period, to be responded to. By the Pope. These dubious specifically mentioned grave disorientation and great confusion of many faithful concerning matters of faith and morals resulting from Amoris Letitia. The submission of dubia by bishops and the provision of an answer, this is from Life to them is an entirely traditional and normal procedure. So the refusal to answer these is a deliberate choice on the part of Pope Francis. That's 52. And the reason it's not really a, a commission, it's an omission to act. From 2017 to 2022, he's never going to answer them. He won't. As a prediction for you right now. Now, number 53. This is where things get at least a little entertaining. Um, we move into 2018. We, we did most of 2017 yesterday. But here we go. Number 53. <sighs> Francis starts after... Five years of insulting his enemies regularly, and yeah, this is 2018 now, prepping up another four or five years of more aggressively insulting those he deems his enemies. He says this. Um, he declared, it would be wonderful if this teaching of Jesus entered our minds and hearts, and each of us would say, I will never insult anyone. This is an outrage for Francis to say. Outrageously hypocritical. He is the most sharp-tongued insulter currently Living in public office on planet Earth. He insults people, and he says, though, that those who do so are using a way of killing a person's dignity. After, remember, one of the last line items from 2017 before we close yesterday was he said his enemies in right wing Catholic journalism are coprophagiacs and coprophiliacs. He's saying they eat poo and do other things with poo besides. He says, but don't insult someone. It's a way of killing their dignity. Okay? I, these each could be a line item, but we wanted to fit them all in. Because this could be packed. This list could be a 200 outrages by Pope Francis. By way of fully expanding on outrage number 53 here, I give you some of the names Francis has called people. He called, uh, they're usually trads, people that like the traditional Latin mass. He said pickled pepper faced Christians on one occasion. Closed, sad, trapped Christians, our trads, on another. Defeated Christians on another occasion. Liquid Christians. I don't even know what the hell that means. <laughs> Liquid Christians. Creed reciting parrot Christians. You're a parrot for reciting the apostles' creed. This guy talks worse than the secular humanists over at I don't know, the observer. Finally, he says those watered-down faith, weak-hoped Christians. He is a hateful, evil man. Catholics who focus on church traditions, he says, are museum mummies, direct quotes. Men of cloth face the brunt of church's fulminations, according to LifeSite. He has called some of them vain butterflies, smarmy idolaters, and priest tycoons. I mean, see how much effort... How many resources of his faculties go into coming up with these vivid images? That's, that's a hateful man. What is he, H.L. Mencken? These are clever. After saying, to insult someone is to kill anyone, and saying people should say, I will never insult anyone, these are the clever, somewhat highly crafted insults he's throwing at usually right-wing Catholics. He's described some seminarians as potential little monsters. The Pope calls priests who rejected his COVID restrictions— and gave uh, sacraments anyway, holy good men, called them adolescents, like they're babyish, like they have a babyish rebellion against their parents, like a petulant child. He implied they're not fatherly by refusing his COVID protocols. This is all part of number 53, and most of these have been in 2018 or later. Pope Francis has told nuns from around the world that they must be spiritual mothers, not old maids. He's referring again to traditional Slightly more austere nuns, old maids, rigidity and imbalance. He says fuel one another in a vicious cycle. Rigidity is his word for trads, and these days the temptation to rigidity has become so apparent as as more and more people resist him. No one's in love with him anymore after twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen. I never was. I always knew. Never fooled me on this one. Or, or or lots of lots of lots of you probably weren't fooled by Francis, but. Center of the road, people loved him at first. No one loves him anymore aside from lefties. In a press conference aboard the papal flight back to Rome after his three-day visit to Romania, he singled out Catholic fundamentalists who he said have a nostalgia for returning to the ashes of the church. The church is in ashes? What a horrible thing to say. He's, okay, this is not a bad pope. This is a bad man who is the worst Pope ever. Let's get it straight. I always try to understand what's behind people who are too young to have lived the Preconciliar Liturgy, but who want it. This is, I think, in 14 or 15. I'm including it with all the 2018 instances. Sometimes, Francis continues, I've found myself in front of people who are too strict, who have a rigid attitude. And I wonder... How come such a rigidity? Dig, dig. This rigidity always hides something. Insecurity, sometimes even more. Rigidity is defensive. True love is not rigid. He's constantly taking shots at those he deems his enemy. So he says, don't insult others. He says, insulting others is a form of homicide, character assassination. And he says, it's really bad. And he is the ultimate insult artist. Number 54, outrage at number 54 by Francis, still in 2018. He said that popes in past centuries ignored the primacy of mercy over justice. Mercy does not enjoy a primacy over justice. They it coexist in a, some sort of uh, eternal, eternal, during, you know, this side of the eschaton inscrutable bliss, whereby... Two parallel lines, as Ivan Karamasov says, will somehow meet somewhere in eternity. Mercy and justice, they seem like opposites this tide, this side of uh, the, the, the four last things, right? Death, judgment, heaven, hell. But they're not. But we don't know how. But, it, but Francis continually asserts that mercy, not for his enemies... They get more than justice. They get undue, burdened justice, injustice. No mercy for them. No shelter for them. No shelter for the rigid's. But when he talks abstractly, he always says mercy is higher than justice. That is theologically wrong, like everything else he says. He he says, you know, the primacy of mercy over justice in using the death penalty, which he hates, he's called an inhuman form of punishment, even though the church... Has justified it and even called it necessary throughout two millennium, and he he's changed in the the Catechism uh, a, a change that is not sustainable that is a theological error. He says it's always inadmissible. JP two modified the Catechism in ninety seven from ninety four from three years before probably getting heavy pressure. Um. And JP2 made an error in his modification of the 97 catechism. I, I've written on this uh, technical, technical action theory, uh, mistaking the state for adverting to the principle of double effect and killing the guilty accused. The state does not advert uh, to justifying the death penalty through principle of double effect. That's what JP2 assumed. Francis, I don't even think, assumes that he just does whatever he wants, and it's the radical left agenda. So that's a, that's a big one. What is that? The list. Okay, and by the way, uh, this list we compiled is free for patrons. It's The way we've compiled it, is, um, it's numbered by years. If you total them up, it is 101 outrageous. We did get this from, most of these come from LifeSite News articles who have been good about documenting this stuff. And it's on the screen, and it's on the screen now. Number 55, it'll appear as number four for you in 2018. Donald Worl allowed Father, uh, Father uh, George Zirvash to continue in ministry after learning that he had committed numerous crimes, uh, crimes of sexual abuse. Wuerl resigned as Archbishop of Washington after McCarrick had done so, after his actions in this and other cases of sexual abuse were criticized by a Pennsylvania Grand Jury report. Remember that? In 2018, Summer of Shame. When Worl resigned as a result of these failures, Pope Francis praised him for his nobility, kept him in charge of the Archdiocese of Washington as apostolic administrator, retained him as a member of the congregation for bishops. Okay, number 56, go up to uh, item number one here. It's another Episcopal thing. Bishop Jose Tolindo Mendonca. In 2013, these are all people that are very close to Francis that he's elevated. They constitute, in some cases, discrete outrages of their own. 2013, Mendonca had praised the theology of Saint Sister Teresa for Cades, who defends the morality of homosexual acts and claims that abortion is a right, and who stated that Jesus of Nazareth did not codify, nor did he establish rules. Unbelievable. Pope Ranz has made him an archbishop and the head of Vatican's secret archives in 2018. The secret archives are things I've tried to get access to with regard to the book that I'm writing, The Sinister Seventeens, They have the fox in charge of the hen house. We need the archives. We need the good guys in charge, letting other good guys get a peek behind the curtain, and this ain't going to happen. Francis also chose uh, Mendonca to preach the Lenten retreat to the Pope and high curial officials in 2018, which was scandalous. That's 56. Line item 57. It appears as number five. Line item five in uh, 2018. Slow year in 2018, by France, this is standard. <laughs> I know a lot of you guys out there think, oh, JP2 kissed the Quran at a CC and, and changed the death penalty and reified uh, hope for a Catholic feminism. I, I hate that stuff too. But the list of JP2 grievances would be, I mean, they'd be big grievances. I don't know if you could call the... Okay, kissing the Quran, that's an outrage. I'll give you that. Some of you you know, think the the addition of the Luminous Mysteries would be one. Okay, but we're talking five or six line items. People are going to... Okay, maybe 10, all right? I'm trying to give you... I don't want to get written about this. I know a lot of you are... I'm not a JP2 fan. I never have been. But it's not even comparable so don't compare. Some people that are trying to be edge lords are like, JP2 is even worse than Francis. Get the hell out of here, man. <laughs> not even true. He's, I'm not a fan. I'm not a J2P2 fanboy, but not even close. Try again. His list would be at most 10 or 12 items long. This thing we had to restrict to get it down to 101, right, Steph? Yes. We enter 2019 and stuff gets crazier and crazier. Need I say more in 2019? This was going on right when I was switching to my own channel from Taylor Marshall's channel in the dead middle of the Amazon Synod, October 2019. October is a big time in Francis's pontificate. It was a big time in the way Taylor and I were covering this because I, you know, I was on contract beginning in October, ending in October, um... The, the synods all happened in October. Family Synod number one in 2014. Uh, Ordinary Synod number two in 2015. Amazon Synod. I think uh, the next Synod is slated for October. It's it's weird. It's weird. The uh, the uh, commemoration that Francis did of uh, ostensibly hellbound heretic Martin Luther uh, happened in October. That there's October's a big month for this wicked old guy. So item number 58 is simply the Amazon Synod, Pachamama, all the outrages that were supposed to come out of um, Amazon Synod. Now, there was a God of Surprises moment. What Steve Skojek and I had bet Eric Sammons about was the uh, certainty, certitude, that Steve Skojek and I falsely claimed to have that the next two line items of the Golan agenda would come to pass, very pravati and Women deacons, um, it was on the relazio, which got attached to the final synod exhortation, which does count. Francis officially attached. It. He said, this is not normal, but I'm attaching the relazio like a, like an attachment to an email. So I, I say this is kind of a, kind of a win for Steve Skojik and I, even if it's a loss for Catholicism, but it didn't happen the way I thought. And what Francis did do at the Amazon Synod that was much more unabashed the way I thought these two line items would be unabashedly embraced, was Pachamama, actual worship inside the Vatican of this hideous bitch goddess uh, Pachamama. Wicked, wicked false idol, uh, demonic false idol. That, that was um, what Francis calls the God of Surprises moment. Also in 2019... Item number 59, an international group of 100 priests and lay scholars published a statement to protest the pagan worship of Pachamama. It's satanic, demonic worship of Pachamama that took place um, the previous month. This is in November of that year during the Amazon Synod in Rome with Pope Francis's active participation and apparent support. And again, it's an omission uh, outrage Line item number fifty nine. He never responded to that. So all of the failures to respond are weaponized or, or given a kind of uh, toxic venom. When we do see him respond to some dubia that weren't even publicly submitted this past summer, we didn't even know there were dubia submitted. They're probably submitted by him, the way a bunch of uh, trads have you know ten sock accounts and they they prop up their own stuff by speaking with their ten sock accounts. I think Francis sent himself some dubia, which he responded to, summer of 2021, last summer, July the 16th, Traditionis Custodis, and uh, then in the fall. Oh, these here's some dubia asking me, asking myself, what does Traditionis Custodis mean? And he worsened it. He responds to himself or his friends, dubia, but he won't respond to all of these good faithful scholars, the best in the world, asking him what Pachamama means, asking him to disavow Pachamama, asking him what the Amoris Laetitia line items mean. It's despicable. Toward the beginning of the year, these are chronological by year, but they're not chronological within the individual years. Number 60, you see it as line item three there. On Feb 4th of 2019, Francis and Ahmad al Tayeb the grand imam of Al-Azhar Mosque, publicly signed and issued a statement entitled Document on Human Fraternity. In it, they made the following assertions. Um, So we're counting these as two different line items. You'll see why. Number 61. Freedom is the right of every person. Each individual employs the freedom of belief, thought, expression, and action. The pluralism and the diversity of religions, color, sex, race, and language are willed by God in his wisdom, that is to say his wise rather than his permissive will, his active rather than his merely allowing will, um, through which he created human beings. So he's specifying, and I'm specifying that he specified, God's creative will is his active will or his wise will. That's what good things are created by, the force by which good things are created, Um rather than God allowing evil in the garden, allowing original sin, allowing humans to fall short, he does allow us to choose wrongly, to choose against him. That's broadly speaking freedom, but freedom is only good. This is where people get thrown off about even Vatican II documents, which do not say the stuff that he said in this Abu Dhabi, whatever it is, um, agreement. Freedom is only good when it's rightly used, so it's unperfected. When freedom is wrongly used, we call it license, and it's not good. But contingently, we don't know. God doesn't. Well, God knows. But a human being, before he knows that he's made the right decision, he couldn't characterize his own choice as a choice of good freedom, liberty, or bad freedom license. So broadly speaking, we just say liberty is good. Francis... Was stipulating that the choice, the freedom of religions, choosing a fake religion like Islam or Judaism, is good, and that is that is theologically erroneous. Um, the divine wisdom is the source from which the right of freedom of belief and the freedom to be different derives. Now he will later be called on this, and he'll say, "Oh, I meant his. Uh, I meant God's permissive will allows this." He had stipulated in two or three ways here in items number sixty-one that that it's his active will. So that's good; he backed off when he was called on it, but he was trying to pull something. Cardinal, uh, sorry, number sixty-two, also in 2019, Cardinal Gracias has publicly expressed the opinion that homosexuality may be an orientation. Given by God, another wise will, permissive will thing. God doesn't strike all active homosexuals down with a bolt of lightning or thunder. He allows evil, but that's what it is. If God wills it actively, then homosexual acts must be good. The orientation, so-called, must be good. Well, that's theologically wrong. Pope Francis appointed Gracius as one of the organizers of the Vatican Summit on Sexual Abuse. In February 2019, that's item number 62, putting a uh, homosexualist in charge of homosexual abuse cases, putting the fox in charge of the hen house. Again, the main misbehavior of Francis in office is putting repeatedly the fox in charge of the hen house. Line item number 63, I don't have to say much here. You see it as item number six in 2019. Formal Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, Uncle Ted. According to numerous credible accusers, as you probably know, formal, former Cardinal McCarrick pressured seminarians to engage in homosexual relations with him. These were grown men, by the way. Not that that makes it any better for him. That makes it a lot weirder for them if they gave into to it. Grown homosexual men, all that. Right, If you're, if you're pressured as a grown man into some other man's bed, uh, by Catholic uh, action theory, Thomistic action theory, you know, Catholic uh, doctrine on free will. That is that is a choice to become a homosexual, even if someone's applying pressure. It's wrong for both parties. Um, these charges were known to the Holy See as early as 2002. Between 05 and 07, the Diocese of Metuchen, which is just badly named in retrospect, Diocese of Metuchen and the Archdiocese of New York paid financial settlements to two priests who had accused McCarrick of abuse. It is a spiritual fatherhood, though, so there is an undue pressure there. I'm not I'm not seeking to trivialize that, but if your priest puts pressure on you, you gotta say no. Uh, Pope Francis was personally informed of this behavior in 2013 by Archbishop Vigano and was told the Pope Benedict had placed restrictions upon him. Pope Francis brought McCarrick out of retirement, used him for many important tasks, including trips as a representative of the Holy See to Israel, Armenia, China, Iran, and Cuba. He accompanied Pope Francis on his trips to Israel and Cuba. When uh, Vigano asserted in August 2018 that Pope Francis had known from 2013 on that McCarrick was a serial predator, the Pope refused to answer this claim. This was sort of the launch pad for the heavily watched TNT shows after the Summer of Shame. In February, three months later, the former cardinal was returned to the lay state. Despite the example of the formal cardinal's behavior, the subject of the homosexual abuse of adults, and in particular of seminarians, was excluded from discussion at the summit on sexual abuse that took place in Rome the same month. Remember how Francis keeps line items in documents that he wants there, and he keeps out the line items that he doesn't want there, He never allowed, let me reread that last line, the subject of homosexual abuse of adults, particular seminarians. He never allowed it in. It was excluded explicitly from discussion at the summit on sexual abuse. Well, this was most of the sexual abuse. Regardless of this weird issue of one consenting adult man with another consenting adult man being called abuse, it's homosexual spiritual abuse at the very least line item 64 pope francis has failed to speak a word in support of popular campaigns to preserve catholic countries from abortion and homosexuality for example before the referendum to introduce abortion into ireland in may 2018 he didn't say hide nor hair heard from francis it's an omission type outrage number 65 at the opening of the mass of the Synod of Youth. That's one we don't talk about too much. The year before the Amazon Synod in 2018, not much happened there for once. Francis carried a staff, I remember this, in the form of a staying, an object used in satanic rituals. Thank you, LifeSight. Again, thanks to LifeSight. Most of this comes from there. Contrary to the false debunks, which is like agitprop item number one, false debunks, they're everywhere now. It was a stang, a satanic, demonic ritual stang. You can go look at it up close. Lots of debunks saying, no, it was just a wooden stout. It was a stang, bro.
1: Well, and also, doesn't he have handlers that would be, like, not a good look? Even if it looked an awful lot like a stang and it wasn't, wouldn't his handlers say, yeah, let's
0: rethink this? <laughs> right, a federal judge, just so you know, The scandal is so serious that a federal judge can be removed for either A, inappropriate behavior, such as accepting a bribe, or B, participating wantonly in behavior which would give him the appearance of inappropriate behavior, even if he didn't uh, uh, actually indulge in such behavior. B is serious. So it's not a real, by that standard, again, American and English common law is very Knightly, nicely tightly systematized. All these Pope splainers are like, you didn't prove that with 100% certainty that he knew it was a sting. Maybe not. It's still an outrage, baby. This is a satanic staff. You see a pattern with Pachamama? You see a pattern with all the demonic things he's saying about it being a sin to evangelize, to bring the gospels? He is something like a forerunner for an Antichrist figure. Not necessarily the Antichrist. But there's there's no other conclusion to take as I go through this stuff. Some sort of forerunner. Some sort of, I think Coffin calls it a uh, remote dress rehearsal. Uh, line item 9 in 2019 is actually outrage number 66. During the Synod on Youth in 2018, also, Pope Francis wore a distorted rainbow-colored cross, the rainbow being a popularly promoted symbol of Globo Homo. Number 67 in 2019, also during the Hong Kong protests, Francis was criticized by Catholic clergy in Hong Kong, led by Cardinal Joseph Zen, a hero, criticizing him for not taking a stand against China, and instead being quoted as saying, Quote, I would like to go to China. I love China. Francis compared the protests in Hong Kong to those seen in Chile and France. The China connection to this pontificate is devastating. And we can't even devote that much time to it here because there's so much else. So much agitprop against the one true faith by its bicker of Christ on earth. Item number 11, in total, outrage number 68. We're still in 2019. Item 11 in 2019. During his general audience at the Vatican today, Pope Francis condemned Catholics who go to church every day but go on hating their fellow men. He said it is better that they don't go to church. No. Going to church is one of the precepts. Of the faith. You've heard me condemn Catholics who say better to stay home than to go to a liturgy that's not perfectly reverent, which is most liturgies. No, it's better to go. You know how I know? Because I'm Catholic. It's one of the precepts of the faith. You can't question a precept. Be- you know why? Because it's preceptual. If you wind up at a bad liturgy, you, you know, we drive an hour and a half to get to a TLM. If you wind up at a bad liturgy because you don't have an hour and a half, three-hour round trip that day, go somewhere. Even if it's a bad liturgy, that's on the priest. That's not on you. That's just the Catholic teaching. On, that's the way precepts work. Francis is saying it from the left. You hear people say it from the right. Get to church at least once weekly. Don't have to receive. I don't receive it on unfaithful churches because of disposition. That's where subjective components start mattering. I don't receive from bad priests. I receive when I go to New Orleans, the TLM. But uh, you have to go. Number 69. Pope Francis advocates sex education in schools, saying he believes children must, quote, must be taught objective lessons about human sexuality that aren't soaked with ideological colonization, end quote. He means... Kids must be taught gay stuff. They must be taught pervert stuff, not from Catholics. He wants the secular humanists teaching your kids. He wants your kids corrupted. The ideological colonization that he's saying ought to be avoided is Catholic moral theology. Pope Francis, whether he misbehaves on his own or not, is the pope of the sinful loins. That's what all of the marriage communion, divorced, remarried mercy is all about if he can get to where he wants to go normalizing homo behavior for clergy and otherwise well obviously yes. before you can get to that degree of unnatural vice you have to normalize all the much more normal natural vice like fornication, adultery, etc. And, and he wants to, like, like Globo Homo worldwide, he wants to take your kids' minds. Item number 70. In 2019, Pope Francis reportedly pulled his hand away from pilgrims who were attempting to kiss his ring at the Marian Shrine of Loretto on uh, whatever that was, I think, or uh, the spring of that year, if I'm remembering that correctly. I remember a lot of this chronologically. And you heard, and you heard um, my buddy Pat Coffin talking about this incident. Line item number 70. Now, as I pointed out to Pat, I, I never got a good answer. And we were talking about it some off channel, texting about it uh, two nights ago. I was like, wait a minute. If Pope Francis were an anti-pope, Pat, then this would be him by pulling his ring away and by not letting himself be called vicar of Christ. This would be Francis secretly signaling the truth on, on that theory. I don't buy that theory that he's an anti-pope. That doesn't make sense. Why if he's an anti-pope would he be leaving breadcrumbs for keen-eyed observers to see that he's an anti-pope not a real pope? That doesn't make any sense. That's not what an anti-pope would do. He'd be trying to pick up the crumbs, not let anyone know. It's odd that he did this. I think it's just taunting, trolling traditional Catholics. Maybe it's worse, but I don't I don't think it's what what um I mean you got to deal with that fact. Same thing I said this to both Ed Mazza and Pat. Same thing in reverse with Pope Benedict. Why, if he's wearing the white garments and, and still is called your holiness, why would he um, be working with Francis, who's doing the opposite, to signal the same thing, Benedict and not Francis? If they're signaling it. Why not just say it? And people are like, well, because Benedict can't say it. Because Francis is pressuring him, I'm like, I know, but then why would Fr- people thought they're one step ahead in the comments? But then why would Francis also be joining the costumery signaling by both popes? Why would Francis be helping him? That's the question that people can't answer, that Benny Plantis can't answer, and don't. And I've asked, and I asked because they're my friends and I like them, and I don't, I don't find it so objectionable. We can't talk about it. I just like answers. I'm a free thinker, man. They try to be. Item number 71 in 2019 still, item 14. Pope Francis tells teens they're not a disciple of Jesus if they try to convert non-believers. Jesus says, great commission, my believers will go out and spread belief in me to all the world. This is the closest and most literal expression, instantiation, of something called the anti-gospel, ever. (laughs) Let me repeat it. He tells teens they're not disciples of Jesus if they try to convert non-believers. That is literally the opposite of the truth. You are not a disciple of Jesus if you don't go out and try to convert non-believers. Item number 72. Pope Francis said in a television interview with a Mexican journalist that if Christians were to convince themselves... That homosexuals and those in quote irregular relationships are children of God, things would change a lot, meaning the church teaching has to change. The faithful Christian regard for faithful actual church teaching has to change, not the homos themselves. This brings us to 2020. I don't know why we don't have much for 2020. We have a lot for 2021. Oh, because of COVID. He was holed up. That's what it was. 2021 happens and then shit gets real. It just explodes. 2020 was because of COVID, that he was just holed up doing whatever he does in there. Uh, Item number 73, 2020 item number one. On March 20th, we're all, we'd just been ordered under lockdown here, right? That was that week. Francis asked the Dicastery for promoting integral human development, that's the really bad Dicastery, to create a Vatican COVID-19 commission to express the church's concern for the crisis generated by the COVID-19 pandemic pandemic, and proposed responses to the potential socioeconomic challenges deriving from it outrage outrage number 74 um, Pope Francis says direct quote here this is also life side I think no one is saved alone end quote he calls on men to save each other anti-gospel. That I, 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 I try not to be hyperbolic here. That is literally the anti-gospel, as much as saying that bringing, that the Great Commission is a sin. Pope Francis, a couple lines above, says the Great Commission by Jesus of the apostles, go and convert all the world, is a sin. That's anti-gospel. What else is anti-gospel? Is saying that men can save men. No, only God can save man. He's not dumb, folks. It's either, I mean, again, I just want a Catholic Answers guy on here. They're nice. A lot of them are very sharp. I just want to be like, dude, can you watch my list? I'm not a troll. Some trads think I'm a troll because I say I like the luminous mystery. I'm not trolling. I'm just saying what I think is obviously true here. I'm not trying to troll the Pope's planers. They're sharp guys. Jimmy Aiken, Trent Horn, these guys, these cats are smart. They are. I don't just say that about anybody. Joe Heschmeyer, smart guy. Nice guys. Good Catholics in their private lives. I think these guys like the Latin Mass. They live the priesthood. These are good, smart men.
1: Trent Horn's wife seems super
0: nice. Trent Horn's wife seems super nice. I'm not saying I, I, I haven't seen anybody else's, but. I, I just, I was really pleasantly surprised when I watched Trent Horn's, uh, he did a show with his wife where he brought her on the way, I bring Steph on, so it was, it was a delightful show. I don't, I don't typically watch Council of Trent, so I don't even know what compelled me to watch. I think I was just interested. I saw he'd done that. They, they have a delightful rapport. I have nothing but nice things to say about the Catholic answer guys that I've dealt with. Behind the scenes. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. You probably have noticed in Trad Catholicism now. They're nice and smart guys. I've had Aiken on the show. I've had Trent Horn on the show. I've had Joe Heschmeyer on the show. Everyone's been on the show. Tomorrow, Athanasius Schneider is going to be on the show. That's going to be a big deal. Yeah, by the way. By the way. <laughs> but, um, but I'd like to have them on the show with this list. What of it, bro? Not trolling. Dialoguing. Um, Outrage 75. In 2020, Pope Francis appoints 13 new cardinals, some of whom are very pro-LGBT, and uh, I think most of whom back communion for adulterers. I think that's just everyone. Every cardinal or bishop on the Francis program is super Amoris Laetitia. We need some mea culpas. For all the people that were saying... The 2014 Synod, the 2015 Synod, leading to Amoris Letitia, the post synodal exhortation, none of that means that communion is going to be given to divorced and civilly remarried. Central outrage of the pontificate. Even worse in some ways than Pachamama. We need some mea culpas. People were on record. You can go listen to the damn things of a lot of these guys saying, this ain't going to happen. Oh, it's the, uh, the anti-Francis gossip wire, they laugh it off. It's embarrassing to laugh something off and then to be wrong. It's embarrassing to be wrong even if you're dignifying the countervailing proposition. It's extra, or it should be, unless you're shameless, it should be extra embarrassing to be wrong when you were laughing at the other side. Don't do that. Like Will Hunting says, first thing, don't do that. Don't laugh at the other side. Particularly if the other side is the other side from from your side. The other side of the aisle, and you're both on the right wing. Don't do that, guys. Every one of these Francis Cardinals backs communion for adulterers because that is the victory for the bad guys represented by head bad guy Francis. Uh, item number 76. Well, before I go to that, see how they can they can never say that I'm being hyperbolic. I, I told Pat this. I told Ed Mazza this. Look, I like you guys, Pat's a close friend. I don't think this theory is as wacky as some people think it is, but it's wacky and it's going to be low-hanging fruit for other people to make you look crazy because it is a little wacky. There are some tangles with it, some serious tangles with it that's not all the way worked out. How about just saying what I'm saying? He's not like any of the other bad popes even. He's something else. He's not like any of the anti-popes even. He's something else. You know? Catholic Answers, they can't come on and say that what I'm saying is untrue because I have them. I brought the receipts. This is a th- no one ever wants a receipt this thick. This thing will give you back problems if you put it in your pocket. <laughs> this is a long-ass receipt, <laughs> man. indigestion reading it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting indigestion having to think about it. But the point is, you can't say that this is, oh, here go those those potent trollers. It's like, come on, man. He said that bringing the gospel is a sin. He said Jesus was wrong about the Great Commission. Okay, so number 76. In 2020, Francis, again, implicitly affirms the notion that God purposefully makes people same-sex attracted and gender dysphoric, which is weird because one of the good things he said, I think there are two, in this entire damn nine years, it was that gender theory comes straight from the devil. I was like, that's based. I think the other good thing I ever heard him say was, if someone talks about your mother, holy mother church, or your mother, punch him in the nose. I'm like, I like that. Now you're talking my language.
1: Yo. Oh, no, I just wanted to say, before we go, I'm just going to borrow the mic here for just a second. Before we go to um uh year 2021, I noticed a lot of people in chat were saying things like, you know, what does this all mean? This list is so expansive. What does this mean for the Pope? I just want to remind everybody that this actually, in a weird way, has given me faith because I helped to compile this list to see how bad this Pope is, and yet God still preserves the Catholic Church. Just look at all these numbers, all the 101 things, and just remind yourself that God is still even against a guy this bad in the position that this Pope is in, preserving the Catholic Church. That has given me such great confidence that the Church is true and real. That's
0: great. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's it's uh, differentiable from, but like some of the things I've said about Vatican II, as I research this Vatican II book I'm writing for Tan, uh, Bad Counsel, Good Documents. It, the, the Vatican II was not, as bad as the Francis pontificate. For a council, it's not as bad as the Francis pontificate. Francis pontificate is something truly new. Vatican II was new in some ways where there really was an evil intent by, I think, the muscle. But here's the difference between Vatican II and Francis, and I'm going to tie it back to Steph's point. Here's the difference. Vatican II had a bad intent, but good texts, and when you look at the receipts, you look at the actual text. You hear, oh, kind of like Catholic Answers is always charging us with the trads were exaggerating. The trads shaved off a word or added a word, a la Martin Luther, to make this way way worse. A key word or words. No, the text actually bears out the criticism that I've heard Jimmy Aiken make about trads against Pope Francis. It's bet you feel better about your church when you look at the Vatican II texts. There's some bad intent and there's some real weaponized ambiguity and codified heteropraxy that you can't deny about Vatican II texts, but they're not as bad as Francis. Francis's pontificate, on the other hand, did I just mute myself? Francis' pontificate, on the other hand, is literally worse than most trads even know. Even trads with a mic. Forget, Amoris Laetitia has like eight theological errors, not even all of which are related to communion or divorce or civil remarriage. Some are things like you can't go to hell forever. That, that contradicts the gospel. What? There are other things like that. So Francis gets way worse when you check the receipts. Vatican II gets a, a bit better, even though it, it, it seems really bad on its face. and It remains somewhat bad because you see what the muscle prelates were doing there, and it is bad. But checking the docs, the documents, makes you feel better. In either case, Steph's point about Vatican II, Francis, at a much higher level, they actually reaffirm my faith because this is the ultimate takeaway, and it's not a cope, okay? It is not a cope. It's just real. Because it is amazing indicia, evidence, of the Holy Spirit, protection of the indefectibility of the Church, that we could have a Pope this bad—not just a Pope that liked women a little too much, right? God bless him; he just never got his skirt-chasing days out. I mean, I'm not trying to trivialize, but not just that. The Pope vouch—sorry, uh, the God vouchsafes His Church against even arguably a council and definitely a, a Pope who are the authors with the pen in hand, all they have to do, one stroke of that pen and contradict the whole inviolability of Scripture tradition together in magisterium. And they didn't do it. In other words, the inviolability of the church is so vanguarded that the document is even protected against the author with pen in hand. That's unbelievable. Francis has to do this stuff by codified heteropraxy. Amoris Laetitia is really bad, but guess what? He had to use Vatican II-styled codified heteropraxy. He had to leave it under a hermeneutic of continuity, who's still really bad. It was still really obvious what he going to do. But he had to do the whole stunt with the Buenos Aires bishops. That's because the text, the main way that human intellectus works is by text. The way it operates is we seem to be getting a sense over the last hundred years at what's protected in the church and what's not. The most literal plain text reading of a, te- a Catholic text in the magisterium is protected. Even if guys like Francis and his cronies, the St. Gallen Mafia people who are a generation younger than the Karl Rahners of the world, even if they are allowed by the permissive will of God to do codified heteropraxy, we're getting some sneak peeks behind the curtain. But the point is, the textualist straight up read of texts and meanings of the magisterium are protected by God even against their authors. It's like magic. It's like, I want to write a letter to Steph saying, I love you, and it's like if I'm, I'm, I love you, but it's like if I wanted to write that on my hands being frozen by God, it's amazing evidence of the indefectibility of the church. Francis is the worst man on planet earth right now, and even he can't do his damage more directly, more proximately, more profoundly than he's been able to do. The church will survive this wicked, wicked old ruin named Francis. Even if he's pope, I mean, and I think he's pope, I don't think he's an anti-pope. There's limited evidence for which claim, but most of it is contra- heavily controverted. I think he's actually pope. I'm not a Benny Plinist, and I think the church will survive him easily because of the things Steph's pointing out. So that's why it's great faith, and that is not a cope. If you're calling that a cope, the rationale I just articulated, then tell me why. He's a wicked dude. We all agree. Why doesn't he just write there are four persons in the Trinity and end it all? You got to tell me that. He doesn't do that. He can't do that. Supernaturally, by one means or another, I don't know what it is. He is forestalled and even occluded, even precluded from doing that. You probably hadn't thought about it that way, had you? That is not a cope. So that was item 76 that Francis... uh, um had affirmed same-sex attraction as natural gender dysphoria as non-demonic um telling i didn't i didn't get to this part telling specifically a group of italian parents who affirm their children as lgbt that quote god loves your children as they are that's that permissive versus wise will thing again which is weird because i've seen him say at least twice that gender theory is from the devil he definitely plays both sides. And this is something I used to debate with my brother at the beginning of the pontificate. He plays both sides so he can have one time on record saying the other way. So everyone overreacts. They're like, look, he said something good. Pope Francis is the greatest pope ever. He said there's three persons in the Trinity. One drop of poison in the cup is all it takes. And he said gender dysphorics are natural more than he said that it's a diabolic philosophy. He's smart. He's smart. The left is cunning. They're also aided preternaturally by a psychology that is vastly more cunning than any of us. Item 77, outrage 77. Did we just move into... No, we're, We are in
1: 2021.
0: Now we're in 2021. So now this will ring more bells.
1: Buckle
0: up. By the way, Coffin said on my show that um, he'd done four... Interviews with Eugenio Scalfari, the old 97-year-old atheist. He's done 11. I said 10. I think it's 11. Sometimes they're a little hard to discern where the distinctions are, interview to interview. They're actually 11, I think. Item 77. Francis maintains getting COVID vaccination is a moral obligation, which is theologically wrong. The CDF contradicts this. Francis states that people had a responsibility to look after themselves. Quote, direct quote, and this translates into respect for the health of those around us. Health care is a moral obligation. The church has contradicted this time and time and time again. Who was the only institution on earth to care for people in the western part of the Roman Empire when the Black Death came? The martyrs of the Black Death, Roman Catholic priests, Rome was left in darkness. The political and theological power had recently shifted to Constantinople when when Constantine had shifted the capital there. The people of Rome felt abandoned. Then the bubonic plague hit. And guess what? The church was the only one. If it was a moral obligation to care after your health, then Black Plague, which is a real pandemic, not a fake plandemic, um, that would have been a sin by Francis's anti-gospel reasoning. 78. On January 11, 2021, Francis allowed bishops to institute women to the ministries of um, acolyte and lector, the official positions. While these instituted ministries were previously reserved to men, Francis wrote that these ministries are fundamentally distinct from those reserved to ordained clergy. This is a direct contradiction of gospel because in inerrant gospel in two or three places, St. Paul explicitly says the women have no right to read or teach in church. Sorry. It's just just gospel anti-gospel. Just straight facts, y'all. Straight facts. Dig it. 79. In February... Of 2021. Remember that? Still seems like a long time ago, a year ago now. Francis announced back-to-back appointments of women to take positions that were formerly only held by men in past. You see the pattern? See, now we haven't come to the conclusion of what he's gonna do with women. He's gonna do that at next year's synod. He's gonna do it. I'm telling you. See the pattern? This is why I've gone through this whole exercise. See what he did with communion. For divorced and civilly remarried. He brought it up. He brought it into conversation. See how he peppered it. Then in 2016, he did it. Then in late 2016, he solidified that he did it. That's what he's doing with Sanct Gallen agenda items number two and three. Cardinal Walter Brandmuller is the one that told us the order of these four agenda items. Communion for civilly divorced and remarried. Very probati Women deacons. Intercommunion with the Lutherans. We're working on two and three now. He is, rather. Uh, As part of this outrage number 79, Francis appointed Francis' member of the Javier Ministry Missionary Sisters, Nathalie Beckhart, as the first co-undersecretary of the Synod of Bishops, besides an Italian magistrate, Katia Sumaria, also became the first woman promoter of justice in the Vatican's Court of Appeals. He's just warming everyone up. Oh, he's doing new stuff with women. New, allowable stuff with women because he knows the average Catholic out there doesn't know the difference between doing unprecedented, unallowable stuff with women um, vis-a-vis appointments. Got what I mean? Uh, Franciscan outrage number 80. Not St. Francis, but wicked Francis. In July of 2021, Francis issued the motu proprio, the apostolic letter titled Traditionis Custodes, which reversed the decision of his immediate predecessor, Benedict XVI, in 2007 Samorum Pontificum, imposing new restrictions on the use of the TLM. You know that's an outrage. I don't have to hit that anymore. Uh, Outrage number 81. In 2021, Pope Francis urged Catholics to accept a jab... A vax jab as an act of love. That's adorable. It's whatever. It still counts as an outrage. Number 82. Outrage 82. He says, I believe that ethically everyone should take the vaccine. That's just stupid. Outrageously stupid. Item number 83. By the way, um, we recently, as I concluded my manuscript uh, as a co-author... Called don't go to college the last night of writing steph was helping me research then too just got that manuscript in last week after having uh dinner at a friend's house and um she was amazed to read for the first time she'd heard me talk about it a lot the specifics of uh event 201 held october the 18th 2019 about 40 40 to 45 days before the outbreak of pandemic COVID-19. And what what, can you say a word on what you're, you, you thought I was a little crazy before that, but then you saw the specifics of event 201 held by Bill and Melinda Gates, Johns Hopkins university. It talked about what most.
1: The social media connection was really um and, and again, this is on their website. So sometimes when Tim does uh shows like like today's show, he'll ask me, Hey, I'm not sure about this fact. Will you please you know, just take a take five minutes or whatever. Look into it. I end up spending, I think, a good hour and a half on event two hundred one. Which on their official website, they're not even trying to hide it. They're saying this is what we're trying to do, and one of their major objectives is to entangle social media with um, COVID protocol and how they're actually going about dis- uh, can- canceling information, promoting information, and they say outright, they're like, yeah, we're going to work with faith leaders. Faith leaders. Faith leaders, people in trust, to give information on, on you know what to do during the COVID pandemic. And I was just, I kept like, like slapping the table every time I would read something like this. And I was like, Tim, I can't believe this. This is unreal. This is exactly what leaders to do a month
0: before it broke out. And there's there's very little daylight between this woman and myself. Um, we talk about a lot of this stuff. It keeps stuff interesting. We talk about the faith. We talk about some philosophy we talk about, goings-on in the world. This is one of the few issues she was ever like, sometimes the uh, Agenda 2030, Event 201, plandemic stuff, because I'm in this forthcoming documentary called The Greatest Reset, sometimes that sounds a little wacky to me. She was never like mocking it, but she was like, I'm just more skeptical there. Go look at Event 201 on October the 18th. It's a gamed-out, Planned out exercise, probably a lot of you know about it, held by Johns Hopkins and the Gates Foundation a month before COVID broke out. And they're like, what do we do if a a corona-type virus breaks out? They followed the exact way that they gamed it out. 15 parties. What was one of the parties gaming it out? Johnson & Johnson. What was another? The Chinese CDC. What was another? Other big pharma representatives. It was... They just... I don't know why they made it so public. And I'm I don't.
1: On event 201's actual official website. It's all there. They admit it. They admit it. They admit it. it. They, they actually, admit it.
0: Like, say it. They admit it. And now we know it comes from the commie lab. It's just all spelled out. And I don't. I wasn't talking about it a lot at the time, as much as Brave Pat Coffin was. That was a, a practical choice. I was dropping breadcrumbs because I knew extra stuff because I was in this. Documentary that's coming out in a month or two. This is going to be a big deal, by the way. Uh, 30, 30 of us were interviewed extensively. They have like over forty five hours. They're they're narrowing down to an hour and a half. I was dropping breadcrumbs, but Pat lost his YouTube channel over this. I'm pointing out outrage number um, uh, eighty two. Everyone should take the vaccine because they were approached by. I'm guessing Gates Foundation or Fauci or some other world leader that was part of planning this pandemic with China, with China CDC. And they're saying things like, I believe that ethically everyone should take the vaccine. Outrage 82 or Outrage 81. Taking the jab is an act of love. The other big thing at event 201, by the way, was... Um, That we were, that even I was surprised to see. I'd overlooked it. I've looked at this thing five times. Was um, that they were saying we have to use social media to push experimental vaccines, which should be stockpiled, and to convince people to take experimental vaccines, not just trusted vaccines or trusted me. I mean, it's go look at it, it'll blow your mind. Outrage 83, a senior Vatican official confirmed. Over 21 Easter, Pope Francis invited a group of transgenders to the Vatican to receive COVID-19 vaccines. Pope Francis previously gave money to the same group in 2020 when COVID restrictions prevented them from working with their usual customers on the street. Okay. 84 outrage is in um, late 2020, early 21. In the documentary Francesco by Evgeny Afoniski... Oh, sorry,
1: that should be in 2020. <laughs> that was me. Yeah, so
0: so 2020 was one longer. Pope Francis said, but it was late 2020, who cares? What we have to do is a civil coexistence law. They, homos, have the right to be covered legally. I defend this. The CDF, Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, reaffirmed real Catholic teaching, as it always does. No. Civil unions cannot be allowed. Francis says the opposite. Outrage number 85. Oh, this is back in 2020, also. Sorry. That was oh, me. sorry. Whoops. <laughs> also late 2020, though. I remember. Pope Francis launched a new partnership between the Vatican and the UN that aimed to educate the world in sustainable lifestyles. Event 201 here was big on sustainable lifestyles. Get faith leaders to say it. They got it. Gender equality. Global citizenship, great reset stuff, among other goals. That's an outrage because it means Francis is complicit at being one of those faith leaders that works with the um, worldwide elites that planned the demic. <laughs> okay, back to twenty one. Uh, outrage number eighty six. White House press secretary Jen Psaki announced uh, Thursday that President Joe Biden will meet with Francis, in the Vatican. Right before Halloween 21, to discuss working together on efforts grounded in respect for fundamental human dignity, including ending the COVID-19 pandemic, tackling the climate crisis and caring for the poor. Abortion, of course, was not on the menu. Outrage number 87... I mean, it's, see, now it's just like, once you get, we don't need the 200 item list or 300 item list, whatever it would be if we were fully, thoroughly comprehensive, because you're desensitized now. I am. I'm not joking. I'm desensitized. You could say Francis, uh, skinned, uh, you could say some, the worst thing ever. And I'd I be like, yeah, he's electric fan. <laughs> threw a baby through an electric fan. I'd be like, yeah. Okay. That I'm not saying he did that. But you could say that now, and I would be no more psychically calloused. Psychically, in my soul, my suke, I'm calloused. You could tell me he did anything, and I—it's I, it, not shocking. He's the most evil man on earth, right now. I truly believe it. The biggest stumbling block ever. Remember what Jesus says happens to them if they don't con- convert. <sighs> Outrage number eighty-eight. Um. Oh, I'm sorry. Number 87. He told uh, President Biden alleged on Friday that Pope Francis called him a good Catholic and said he should keep receiving communion, not uh, gainsaid by the Vatican, which should have said that. That was also on the cusp of a bunch of Catholics, such as myself, uh, very publicly calling for Biden to be denied communion, So Biden doesn't hang out on the internet or watch YouTube shows. Francis's cronies do. I'm not saying they watch Rules for Retrogrades, but they watch what's going on in America, right-wing Christian media, the ecumenism of hatred, as Antonio Spadaro called it in summer of 2017, between right-wing Catholics and right-wing Protestants. And we were all calling for this. And so it happened right on the cusp of that coverage, which the timing gives away. This is a real story. Biden wasn't lying. Also, Francis is evil, so Biden wasn't lying. Item number eighty-eight in twenty twenty-one. Pope Francis praised the pro-LGBT wreck, uh, uh, as Voris calls it, the LA Religious Education Congress last week. Sorry, twenty twenty-one for its long and fruitful journey over the past sixty-five years. Thinking the various dissident, thanking the various dissident ministers and teachers. At the event for what you do, if you know anything about the wreck, which I was supposed to go to, I would always skip it as a uh, teacher in the area, in you know, north of there in Baco. We would go to the wreck. We could also go to the Fresno Religious Education Congress because we were kind of in between L.A. and Fresno. Um, it had tons of homo stuff, homo paintings, homo religious paintings with Jesus in blue, tight blue jeans, just horrible stuff. So that's an outrage that he thanked them. Um, Outrage number 89 in 2021. The midst of an in-flight interview, uh uh-oh, Wednesday, following his visit to Eastern Europe, Pope Francis said that distributing the Eucharist to pro-abortion politicians must be determined in the pastoral dimension. And this is a teaching of the church. You can't give it to public scandalizers. They're eating and drinking their damnation. So he says it's a pastoral dimension like a prudential call. And they can't be condemned or shouldn't be condemned, end quote, and that he has never denied the Eucharist to anyone. So 100%, he's saying, I'm proud that I have fed and given the drink, which constitutes damnation to many people. He's never, he's never turned anyone away, and he thinks you should do like him, never turn someone away, which is against the direct teaching of the church. Anti-gospel. The gospel says you can't go, that's actually after the gospel. The New Testament and St. Paul's inerrant writings say you're eating and drinking damnation if you go to communion without going to confession, if you have a mortal sin on your soul, which these pro-abortion politicians definitely do. Francis says no, do the opposite of what the gospel, the New Testament tells you. Outrage number 90. This is tiring doing it this way. I don't normally do shows this way, but this is very good. In true globalist phraseology, Pope Francis is called for a new world order. That's a direct quote, according to LifeSite, following the COVID-19 pandemic, just like Klaus Schwab, who wrote a book called The Greatest Reset. Great COVID-19. Reset, yeah. But Steph, also, you thought that I made that up, that it's a great reset. I was like, no, Klaus Schwab. Who dresses like Nosferatu. I just saw him in one of his new Nosferatu outfits two days ago. He dresses like Nosferatu and he says COVID-19 will be a great reset. The subtitle of the great reset, his book, which Steph didn't know existed, is what? What's the subtitle? The great reset. No, it's you will have oh. nothing and you will like it. Well,
1: I don't think that's the official subtitle. That's just what people call it or a s- a subtitle.
0: No, no, no. It's, it's like a sub subtitle. Oh. Uh, it's... It's, you're right. It's COVID 19, subtitle, The Great Reset, subtitle, You Will Have Nothing and You Will Like It. Um, it's a new world order. You're going to be a bug man. You're going to live in smart cities in pods. You're going to eat bugs. And Bill Gates is, meanwhile, buying up all of the farmland in America. And you're not going to live there any longer. You're going to live in smart cities and eat bugs, according to. Some theories that are looking less and less wacky by the week. Um, So Pope Francis is now, oh, see, this one I didn't know about. That Francis has used the NWO term and connected it specifically to the Great Reset after the pandemic. He also advocated for global change on green issues, always tied to this, always also tied to um, strong, forceful, militant population control. All these guys are one and the same. Remember Jeffrey Sachs from yesterday's show? Jeffrey Sachs was an advisor on Laudato Si and has been in and out of the Vatican this whole time. Um, Francis said in conclusion, quote, we cannot waste any more time. Got to get ourselves to those smart cities and uh, begin eating the bugs. He didn't say that. He implied it. But he did say directly, we can't waste any more time. Outrage number 91 by Pope Francis. It gets so tiring by the end. I'm just going to race through these, but there's some interesting one. In an address to the fourth world meeting of popular movements on Saturday, I remember this. Uh, Pope, This is in the middle of the year, on summer. Pope Francis advocated for the destructive protests which broke out in the wake of George Floyd's death in 2020, describing those involved in that movement as collective Samaritans. Now, Black Lives Matter is everyone knows I got fired for saying, is a terrorist organization run by a few lesbos who say they want to destroy the the nuclear family of Christendom. That's their express goal of Black Lives Matter. Lesbians who want to destroy the nuclear family. That's who Francis praised. Um, Outrage number 92. In 2021, Pope Francis said that he thinks God... He thanks God that Ireland is such a wise man as its head of state, despite Irish President Michael D. Higgins' support for the range of anti-life, anti-family laws that run, uh, contrary to the Catholic faith in Ireland, really aggressively over the last three years. Outrage number 93, Pope Francis appoints UK bishop known for criticizing traditional liturgy as head of the Congregation for Divine Worship. What's his name? Roche. I think it's Roche. Uh, Number 94, Outrage by Francis. Some of these are kind of minor. Once it's like, okay, he's Nosferatu. He's that evil. Some of these are like, this would have surprised me before 2013. This would have been an outrage then. Now it's like, oh, he clubbed a baby harp seal. That's nothing, you know? (laughs) Whether or not he did that remains to be seen. Uh, Number 94, Attack on Cardinal Burke when he was hospitalized. This was really nasty. Think of what Francis said about people who insult. Cardinal Burke was at death's door with COVID. And Pope Francis says vaccine deniers are creating division within the College of Cardinals and that one of them in particular has been hospitalized with COVID. The ironies of life, he says. This guy's at death's door. All right, forget everything else I've seen. Wait, let's run a thought experiment, okay, to to liven this back up. I'm almost done. Forget items one through 93. Some of them are more technically convincing that this... Son of a gun, Francis, is evil. Evil Pope. But forget all of them. Start here. Make this item number one. Number 94, make it one. You have the closest thing to a living saint that I could imagine. You got to connect the dots after. You can't get canonized during your life. But everyone knows Burke is a special holy man. Just a special, special man. Gentle. Un you know, superhumanly gentle. He's at death's door. Francis hates him more than anyone. And Francis goes, oh, the ironies of life. He says this publicly about one of his spiritual sons, the Cardinals. That's, he's Dr. Evil. I mean, that forget everything else. Make this a one item list. Kavli answers, what about that, man? That's not a normal mean guy thing to do. Yes, Francis is mean. He's preternaturally mean. okay. Would someone answer for this? You know, so forget all the theories which are pretty clear, like the COVID stuff. Forget all the theories which are a little less clear. Forget all of the theories about th- that I don't think are true, like the Planism that are there's very limited evidence for. Forget all that stuff. Forget sunk cost mafia even. Address this, some Pope-splainer. What does this mean? You point out when one of the more ridiculous conspiracy theories arises, you ignore the slightly more credible ones, and then just utter crickets when there's something that's undeniable. Like, this is a mean-hearted bastard, right? This is a mean son of a gun. That when a holy, holy man is at death's door... I'm not talking about the Pope necessarily. I'm just saying your average, run-of-the-mill, mean-hearted bastard, okay, who a holy man like Cardinal Burke is at death's door and he says, oh, the ironies of life. I, I'm not talking about Francis, right? What would you say about that, this COVID denier? And it's also in our abstract theory, we're not talking about anyone in particular. Just a guy, your neighbor, is a big pro-vaxxer. Hates people that don't take the vax, gets is prone to fits of rage for non vaxxers. Then he hears about, oh, you're a Catholic, ain't you? What about your uh, Cardinal Burke? I read about this in National Review, they sometimes cover Catholic stuff. Wasn't he an anti vaxxer too? Yeah, ah, oh, the ironies of life. Now he's about to die. Because, oh, that's just that's what a mean hearted bastard does. Forget everything else that I've said, and I'm going to conclude with the last six. But that tells you what you need to know about the kind of man that Pope Francis is. Think about it. And then, this is Husserlian phenomenology, we bracketed the epoché, we bracketed all the other stuff. Now add it back in, just in our little thought experiment. Think about how mean this guy is. And now add back in all of the evidence that is mounting against this guy
1: right what sort of father when their son even if you think that the son made like a bad choice right let's say you're you have your father and you think your son made a bad choice like francis thinks burke made a bad choice about the va- va- not taking the vaccine what sort of father just brass tacks it's like well i guess you just you're gonna die I, the ironies of life i mean it's so horrible Because he doesn't have the mentality of a father. He says such horrible, cruel things about someone who is actually suffering. And it is a... it, when I read that, it reminded me of what happened, what what I'm seeing all over with um, leftist media when anybody gets COVID, like an older an elder person gets COVID, like and they didn't they were they refuse the jab. It's like, well, I guess they are, uh, you know, they think we're right now, or they're making fun of them because they got sick, and they're not acknowledging that this person had free will, and they're an intelligent person. If you're an elderly person, you have a comorbidity, a co- comorbidity, you obviously understand the risk you're taking, and if you end up getting COVID and you're, you're getting gravely ill, you understand that was the risk. It wasn't a surprise to anybody. It's just, I can't believe Francis. I really can't.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. But it's a little worse than even just like, oh, well, he's saying, well, you're going to die now. He's having fun with it, right? He's
1: using him as an example.
0: Using him as an example, but having fun with it. That's the, that's the twist that pushes it beyond the pale. He's having fun with it. Ah, the ironies of life. You're going to die, aren't you? He's, he's evil. I'd love to hear a Pope's uh dealing with that. that. That's really, that was big news, too. Out And that was a true personal human interest type out outrage. Outrage number 95. In his homily for the Feast of Saints Peter and Paul in 2021, the Pope appeared to compare rigid Catholics to St. Paul's... Uh, pre-conversion persecution of the church. Okay. See, now we're desensitized? That would be a big deal if any other pope did it. But Francis is just, he's hes sui generis. He's his own deal. He is uncommonly mean, uncommonly wicked, uncommonly anti-Catholic. Uh, last line item for 2020, one, in a speech pen for the Climate Change COP26 Conference, uh, which was taking place in Scotland, Pope Francis signaled that the Vatican's alignment with the pro-abortion Paris Agreement was intact. And, and that's fine. Because remember, see how there's a thin blue line? What did he say a couple months into office, all the way at the beginning of my receipt packet here? He said, we're talking too much about Abort. contraception, abortion, and homos. How, about We're condemning all those things too much. At the time the Pope's planner said, "Well, that doesn't mean he wants to be just linear and he wants to uncondemn them." It just means he does he wants to he continue to condemn them in a more subtle way. Nope. Look what he's done. Those are the three things his pontificate has stood for. Normalizing global homo for all the for all the gay priests out there. Like, let's just let's just quit BSing each other. For all the, I don't know what is it half the priests out there is so it half the bishops? I don't know. I'm guessing, over half. I mean, come on. You've met these guys too. These are not your uh, Tom, Dick, and Harry of yesteryear. You know, <laughs> they're not. They're they're, they're uh, well. I, I could I could say more. So
1: probably best that you don't. <laughs> global
0: homo, global homo, normalized contraception. Toss in the other forms of pornea, meaning really the the, the this other sex stuff. Marriage stuff. Yep. He wanted to stop talking about them. He wanted to untalk about them. He wanted to say the opposite things about him. And then abortion. I, he wants to praise uh, praise abortionists like Emma Bonino, who had done a bunch of abortions. He wanted to uh, work with the Paris Agreement. It's an outrage. Let's get he through. did what he did. Let's get her done. 2022. And the year's still young, friends. Outrage number 97. In January, it was just last month, Francis said during a weekly audience that parents of gay children should offer support to the children instead of condemning them. Now, are the PopeSplainers going to bother to stick their heads up and go, he just means support them while gently correcting them? No, unless you're crazy, PopeSplainer guy. You don't. You know he doesn't mean love the sinner but hate the sin because he's said it. And I I mean, I don't want to go find him thumb through this folio-thick packet and and find all of them. But he said, don't tell them. God loves them just the way they are. Gay is beautiful. Gay is normal. Okay? So he said this just last month. Outrage 98. In a recent handwritten letter to an American nun, Pope Francis thanked her for 50 years of advocacy and ministry to LGBT queer plus Catholics. Okay? Mm -hmm. Outrage number 99. It's all old now. Nothing shocking. Remember the Jane's Addiction album? Nothing shocking. That that, that unholy cover. Um, Vatican journalist Ed Penton, friend of the show, broke the news. Then the previous year, Pope Francis had met twice with Borla, the CEO and chairman of the pharmaceutical company Pfizer. You know them as Pfizer. Silent P. The meet I didn't know I'm this.
1: P and Z here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh the the meetings took place at the Vatican in a circumstance Penton likened to Pope Francis's secret twenty nineteen meeting with Melinda Gates. Pfizer, Pfizer, and Melinda recently divorced Melinda Gates. They're on the same team, Pfizer and Gates. Outrage number 100. I'm never doing anything with 100 line items again. This <laughs> is exhausting. And with Francis, you know that they're all going to be like detailed and you're going to have the receipts on them. So I couldn't just read the top line for these like I thought. Did you know that yesterday I was fool enough to think I could get through all 101 in one show? Oh. I am a dummy <laughs> to think that I could get through all of those. Because with Francis, if it was the way the Pope's planers arrange it always, it would just be, hey, you know, there's this assertion and you can't really back it up the way some of the apocryphal trad lore out there on the Internet is. And then you look it up and it's like, oh, there's no evidence for this or there's all this counter evidence against it. There's none of that. All of this. I'm like, I don't want to do a crappy job. I want to tell you everything in support of this. So I, I couldn't just read the top line. That's why this took like two long shows. Outrage 100, the Pontifical Academy for Life is set to stage an online and on-site event. Uh, this is back from 2021. Oh, uh, sorry. Boop. Late 2021, it, but it, this happened from 27th to 29th of September entitled, quote, Public Health and Global Perspective Pandemic Bioethics Future. That's a scary F word when the evil guys are saying it, Future. <laughs> The Vatican has heralded the event for hosting world-renowned speakers such as, amongst others, Dr. David Barbee, the president of the pro-abortion um, World Medical Association, <coughs> Dr. Chrisa Etienne, the director of the pro-abortion Pan American Health Association, Dr. Jules Hoffman, the, uh, who won the Nobel Prize for Medicine in 2011, that always means something bad, Okay, that's 2021. This is also 2021. We we end anticlimactically with a, a late 2021 thing. Final outrage Another that 21. that we saw fit. Pope Francis congratulated UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres Guterres for all the effort he has made for peace. Guterres had used the COVID 19 crisis as a means to promote access to abortion. World. Wide. I should just, <clears throat> instead of having concluding words, just pass out, and then you yeah, just end just the show.
1: Like, like people, on the desk. people will
0: think I took I took the vax. <laughs> <laughs> just, just die on set. I don't want to, to tempt fate here, but no. I didn't take the vax, so I didn't tempt fate in that way. There's nothing else to say. You know, this is there's this beyond. The realm of what a pope splainer could pope splain. This is not like any other pope we've ever had. God help us. God send us a new pope. God send us number two sixty-seven. I don't know the meaning of these things. As a scholar, I've gotten half decent at saying I I know what this means. I don't know what that means. I'm not sure what that means. I know it's. In the short term, not good. In the long term, like Steph keeps pointing out, it just shores my faith back up. Even someone as evil as Pope Francis, unprecedented in the church, can't ruin the church. That's why you stay in the church. That's why you don't leave. That's why you don't join one of these other groups that are semi-Catholic. Just stay put. We'll connect the church, not we. The church princes will connect the dots for us later. It's I'm going to admit this much. It's pretty damn interesting. It's a Chinese curse for a reason. Be alive during an interesting time. That's us. There's a lot going on. But don't leave the faith. God wills it in his wise will that you stay in the faith. God bless you all. Peace.
1: Hail Mary.